This is Bijou Banter on Care UI 89.7, Iowa City Sound Alternative, with your host Sam McCrory. And I am joined today by Molly Bagnall, who's been here for multiple weeks. Hello. Jess Roy is joining us again, Hello. second week in a row. Why 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 do you have to shame me like this? And Eli I had a professional obligation. Is mine on? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I thought I hit it, but and Eli Boone and Bale is back as well. He was at uh, University of Toronto last week, but now he's back. It's the... very large there. It's very <laughs> large and much warmer than it is here, <laughs> unfortunately. And we're going to talk about two films today. Um, the first is going to be Shoplifters, and the second is going to be Labyrinth. Um, the David well, Bowie one. Yeah. yeah. I could not think of two more different films. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> This is a real they're mixed both bag. About family. Yeah, they're both about yeah. family. So are to the, varying so degrees. So are the Fast and the Furious movies. If you listen to the dialogue, some, some kidnapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want to. The whole episode sure. is just going to be us trying to get I don't, strings attached. I don't want to pursue these. this thread any further. Okay. <laughs> I don't like it. So we're gonna start with Shoplifters. Shoplifters is a 2018 film directed by Japanese director. Hirokazu Koreeda. Did I pronounce that correct? I think that's... Hirokazu Koreeda. Hirokazu. Hirokazu Koreeda. Um, This film won the Palm Door at uh, Cannes Film Festival. The Golden Door. The Golden Door. The Palm Door. Um, It's the the Golden golden Gold. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Golden Palm. Golden Palm, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I said, won Palm Door. It's up for Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Um, Very, very widely critically acclaimed and it's it's about a japanese family living in um i don't know where they don't really make it sure where they live but i assume tokyo. in tokyo um and the family they rely on shoplifting and other tedious conniving ways to, to survive in life and then they don't like paying money for things which no. i respect yeah who does yeah Honestly. it sucks um and the film follows f- uh two elders who are taking care of these three other children to teenagers and some, I'm not sure how we want to, how much we want to spoil this, but it becomes fairly obvious that these three children are not of conception of the two adults. And there's also a grandmother living with them whose house it is. And it kind of just, it's kind mm-hmm. of it's really a tough to film to really sink so, in the yeah. plot in because not really a bunch, there's no like huge spikes in, in right. climax, but you know, they, 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 the police find out that they're living there is a narrative. Yeah. At the end. yeah, there is a narrative, yeah. and there is somewhat of a three act structure. Yeah, um, but but the big thing is, is they they take in that. they take in a new child by the name of Yuri. Yeah, like the um, the plot is kind of started by the taking in of this new this, yeah. little girl called Yuri. Yeah, um, and then it's kind of it becomes like less and less apparent how all of these people are related to each For other. For sure, yeah. I think I you start off the film being like, I know exactly how everyone here is related to one another, and then those lines start to dissolve and as you start to learn more and more about each character. And one thing I think is really great about this film is that there's, you never stop learning about the characters. There's like just all the way up until the end, every like action by a character, every word they speak, adds to their characterization as another layer yes. yeah they're like so well rounded out like individuals and i actually heard um that uh Koyeda wrote a book explaining and expanding on every character's backstory that is not that in the right film yeah. it's only in japanese i will learn japanese <laughs> so molly you kind of start us off so i think you 
just by your enthusiasm and explaining the the character development in this film in this film um good thoughts from you loved it. cool loved, absolute loved <laughs> yes yeah just what do you think um i went to see it three times in theater this month and just i love it so much i think this is one of my favorite films to come out since moonlight um it's just visually amazing but yet simple and the plot <laughs> is so moving and so deeply layered and it just blurs the line between like good and bad um and doesn't allow you to like make any assumptions about the film and mm -hmm. you know upon like rewatching it there's so many ways that this question about like what is considered real is integrated into like every single part of the film yeah for sure eli what are your thoughts uh, well, I have good news um, for both Jess and Molly, which is that this is definitely my favorite film of the year, and I think it's in the Same. bottom half of the top five Coriata films, because Coriata is remarkably consistent, uh, incredibly quality in his craft, and I also think that with the exception of um, the film that I brought here last year, The, uh, the Third Murder, which was a real Not fluke good. in many ways... Um, Corietta is consistent not just in quality but in themes. He makes films about families, specifically about children. He is, I think, maybe my favorite working living director right now, and I'm very happy to see him get um, notice from the Academy, but I also think that he has been operating at such a pristine level for the last 20 years, and he's just again and again consistently putting out these films about what it means to be a family, how you choose the relationships and love that you have. And uh, between this and what I would consider his best film, uh, uh, Nobody Knows, which is about a child abandonment case, which is really just child actors for the vast majority of the film, I think I would say that Corietta is almost without a doubt the best director of children that Amazing. I've ever seen in my life. He is so profoundly good at eliciting these really subtle um, but but very deep performances from first time in child actors. And additionally, this is a return for a, an actor that he's been working with a fair amount recently, Lily Frankie, who plays the father in this film. And I just I just adore Lily Frankie. This is a very different role than we saw in a film like like Fa like Father Like Son, where he gets to be a little bit more goofy. As I understand it, he's largely a comedian. Um, and this I think is, that comes yeah. out in this film. Yeah. There's like a lot of funny moments. Um, but it's a very serious role, I would say. And, yeah. And yeah. I think that... Yeah. The um, film does have a... I mean, it's And I think he plays it flawlessly. I, I just think I mean, the performances are really what anchor this here, and Corietta is so clearly a director of actors, yeah. Yeah. despite also having a wonderful visual eye and, and is an incredible editor as well. He edits all his films, um, and, and the pacing in this film is just splendid. Uh, he often gets comparisons to Yasuhiro Ozu, mostly, I think, for narrative and thematic content, less so than for formal style. I would say I prefer Corieta over Ozu, which is kind of a crazy thing that I think a lot of people would disagree with me on, but um, I, I adored this film. I would encourage everyone to see it, and I'm so happy that it's getting so much recognition. comes out on DVD in like two weeks. I already checked. <laughs> well, it's been out since Cannes, which was a while ago. Yeah. But it's just not in the United States. It hasn't come to Iowa City yeah. until... Um, yeah, it was here for about, what, two or three weeks? Yeah, weeks? it just left yesterday. Just left yesterday. Pretty yeah. sure. Um, um, I was going to say kind of on like the father figure, um, I think this film does like a really 
fantastic job of like weaving together these moments that are like so heart-wrenching so like tear-jerking and then weaving those in with like these more like fantastical maybe um like funny bits uh or like parts where you like you just don't really know what's going on i don't this film like does like this weaving of different narratives of every person in the family so so well well i I think that yeah just what you gonna say yeah i just on the subject of like the performances in this film i agree that the performances really make it because this film is about like this living breathing family and like as we get to experience it with them like it's so real that it's it's amazing that like it this didn't actually just happen as like Mm -hmm. yeah that's what we talked about last week a lot and i talked with uh with michael um who was projecting it after the movie. Yeah. We kind of talked about this last week with Mining the Gap and, and Shirkers about how these are like just such... such they're so human. And that's, 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 human. Yeah. that's really the vibe I got from this. Is like I it's think just incredibly just, human. Jess, go ahead and finish your... Yeah, your, yeah. Your I, just, I just wanted to touch on um, Sakura Ando. Ando? The, the mother plays, figure. I'm Sakura sure. Ando, yeah. yeah. Plays the mother. She is just... I think her performance is absolutely spot on. I mean... By the time we get to the like the climactic scene and you know we have the camera straight on and um like the lily franco's and everybody's face it's just a flawless the interrogation like, scene yeah the interrogation scene oh. so it's just it's amazing how they don't need words to communicate like what is going on and i agree like the children in this film are so real and it's so relatable you should watch um, nobody knows because it's just children the whole time and it's it's unbelievable that he can do it. Yeah. I, I, thinking through the practicalities of what it's like directing children so much, right. I just have so much respect okay. for him yeah. as a filmmaker to be able to work on a set like that. Yeah. And um, to think like how children think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he, there, it's, it never feels inauthentic. No. Um, and, that, and sorry to butt in here, but I think, this, I think that's one of the reasons why I liked um, my favorite movie of the year, which was Eighth Grade, and sure. uh, about mm-hmm. how Bo Burnham really how he directs his children in that movie. I think you can, we yeah. can make a slight comparison where he treats them they're like all, real humans, yeah. like their own people who mm-hmm. have their own thoughts and ideas. And I think it really shows through in that movie and also really shows through in this movie with performances mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Also, yeah. I thought of, uh, if we're talking about children movies, which it seems <laughs> that we are, uh, Florida Project is another great kid movie yes. that um, allows, and Shoplifters does this, I think, even more than Florida Project, which is allow the like the children to just be like the way that they are you like mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. it does not seem like they're children who are acting they no, no, are yeah, feels... they are children who are like actually doing what children do yeah um the one of like the most heart-wrenching parts was like when they steal um the older i forgot his name the older brother shota yeah, yeah. he um st- he like takes this like bubble thing I don't. Oh, it's, yeah, it's I don't like, a, like, the, like a piece of candy. I yeah, believe. a piece of candy. I I didn't know what any well, of those things younger, were. And then the young. And then Yuri. And then it. Yuri takes it. And then the old man like gives him like, "Don't make your sister do it." It's so good. It's so good. It also, I think touches a lot on like the dysfunctionality of like the economic system in mm-hmm. like Jap- Japan society. Like you kind of have these like lower class people all supporting each other. So right, that happens in like the poor um, convenience store that they frequent. Mm-hmm. But then you see, like, the supermarket, like, probably chain store, and... Um, he steals the oranges. Right, he steals the oranges, yeah. and they, like, follow him out and chase him and, like, give him no 
mercy yeah i was really shocked like that i think that was really telling that like he ran for like at least like a few blocks and that you would might expect like a major supermarket like employees to say oh whatever like it's oranges oranges and it's like an eight-year-old kid whatever but they don't and i heard that um the prime minister of japan hated this film hates oh because it's you know very yeah because it's it's like because it's like an indictment of like japanese economics and like that's almost a neorealist film before japan Mm -hmm. and to that end i would say this is something that's interesting about koreeda is that i think he's become i wouldn't call him a political filmmaker but i think he's become more concerned with issues of class over the years at the same time he's become a bit more of a sentimentalist i think we can see a sort of sentimentality in this type of film that it, we do associate with more classical neorealism, someone like a De Sica. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And certain Coriata fans that I know in my department um, are not particularly, do not have a particular affinity for this sentimentalism. I think they still recognize that he's a master of the craft, um, but the sentimentality is a twist on something that he's been doing for a while. Additionally, I think that when we're thinking about this film in the context of a larger Japanese culture, part of what really fascinates me about Koreeda is that he's consistently making these films about family alienation and childhood in an era where Japan is becoming increasingly a nation without children. Uh, there are just so few children now. Um, and I find that really bleak and sad, but also beautiful. And I think his project in making these films, whether he's conscious of it or not, is speaking to a moment of intense ennui and anxiety in Japan that is masked over by a relatively stable economy, a relatively high employment rate. And, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on Japanese culture, but I'd be interested to see writings that blend the current sociopolitical landscape with the things that Koryat is putting out, especially when we look at the way that this film portrays sex work. That's For what sure. I was just Do about you... to say. The the One of, like, the, I think the starkest and, maybe, like, most effective, like, juxtapositions between um the like environments in the film is the juxtaposition between like the home the family life the like shoplifting and then what the um kind of older older sister sister. these are not like tight when we say older sister older brother they're not like actual titles they're just kind of like how the way that they operate in like your brain as you watch it i think she works in this like sex work cafe that i don't it's a phone I, booth there's a yeah. similar i don't really understand but it's like this really stark contrast of like the environment where that happens where it's like pink and the music is like right in your ears and mm-hmm. it it's really effective there's a For sure. Eli, i'm gonna cut you off real fast so we get to get a quick we gotta take a quick break but okay. we're gonna be right back um we'll take a quick break and we'll finish off and kind of talk a little bit more about shoplifters we'll be right back and we're back on Bijou Banter. We're talking about Shoplifters, the 2018 Palm Door winning film. Um, and Molly, I mean, I think Eli cuts you off a little bit so before we get cut to the break, but I'm, I'm just let you finish your th- um, thought there. And I think Jess has something to say too. So, Yeah, I just wanted to say that the, the, the scenes at the sex cafe that the older sister works at in this film um, are very reminiscent of scenes from Paris, Texas, because they take place at a sort of sex work phone, sex work phone booth that's all about um, a woman on display behind a one-way mirror type situation. 
where you can see her and talk to her, but she can't really see you. Mm-hmm. And the camera frames it in this way where you can almost perceive and make out yeah, just... uh, the figures behind the glass. But this, it's, it's, it's a very obvious, but I think quite effective foregrounding of this notion of alienation. And when we contrast it with the actual sex scene that happens in this film, which is rare for a Coriata film, um, that is a scene that is so defined by intimacy and humanity and mm-hmm. is simultaneously kind of silly and lovely and... That was one of the like sweetest parts of the whole yeah, film for was sure. the, yeah. the noodle sex. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so good. It, it feels very of, human because I think, I think so often when we see sex in movies, it's performed in this spectacular way and it doesn't do justice to how weird and quirky and bizarre the actual encounter can be. I think most people who have had intimate relationships do not become a movie character. They, they do not uh, put on a performance the whole way through. There, there's, there's sort of cracks in the scenes where you're still kind of having a conversation. You're still with a person that you care about. And I think this scene does um, immense justice to that experience. For sure. Jesse, do you have a thoughts? Yeah. Um, I guess I was just, one thing that like sparked in my mind was when Molly was talking about like, you know, the family structure, we see them as like older sister, older brother, but like, I think they are older sisters and older brothers to each other. Like this is like one of the realest like family portrayals that I've ever seen. And I also think that's the main question of a film is like, what really makes a family real? You know, like that's the question that um, Sakura is asking us at the end. I mean, that's the question that the whole film is asking them pertaining to what Ile was talking about, like the closeness and the intimacy. That's what every single person in this film is clawing for. And, you know, you kind of see it when they come together and, you know, they fight just like a real family. And then what, like, disrupts that, right, is like this, like, police force, which I think is another topic Mm -hmm. that's brought up. And Mm -hmm. it's like you you have this question going on through this whole police encounter of, like, is what they're doing right? And you see them kind of manipulating the situation and you, like, the question of, like, what's real, what's true is just... Which is why it's, that runs yeah. throughout. it's why it's so bonkers that the last film he made was just straight police procedural. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't seem to make any sense to me as a I, fan of his. I, I do think it's really interesting that the like child protective services equivalent in Japan be, mm-hmm. does become the villain in this right. film. Really, like they, you, there's this really striking. Um, edit where you have these two people doing like a press conference outside the police station They're like yeah she's just gone to um sleep after having her favorite food yeah. and and then it cuts to her like the little girl uh, yuri in the room she's not asleep she's like sitting yeah. up playing Those are her parents giving it's also the, her not her favorite food that they yeah, yeah. Her, parents, yeah. And her parents it's her parents, are, her. Her parents yeah. are walking outside yeah. the house and talking about it um, and yeah, and we should have yeah. prefaced that too. The reason why they have all these kids is because they were they're saving children. They're from saving abuse. children yeah. from abuse yeah. and, and yeah. neglect and stuff like that. Also, kind of everyone that, is but. also reckoning with trauma and abuse in this film in a way that goes relatively unremarked on, um, and I think most people would find pretty tasteful. Well, I think and, that's and, the power of it, yeah. right? That it just like it exists like underneath. And and this question of uh, what makes a family a family is also very directly addressed in like father like son which is about a case of wrongful switched at birth Mm -hmm. um and uh i think it's it's a question that corieta is consistently pursuing throughout his work after the storm is similarly about just kind of a an oafish father who's trying to get it together and he's a private detective but he never does any detective work which is fine by me um I, i it's fascinating because this is a culture that is in a very precarious situation with regards to the question of the family. And it makes sense to me that 
the, the government of Japan would react strongly against this film because the government of Japan is currently invested in pro-natalist programs and trying to establish interesting too is, is this film is also doing really well box office wise. Yeah. I'm not. I think I'm not sure if that's in Japan. In Japan, no, 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 I'm like pretty sure it's for. Um, I think it is the fourth top like J- Japanese grossing movie this year. Yeah, I in think I'm pretty sure it's doing well in Japan and. And abroad. internationally. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. It's an interesting duality there between, you know, uh, the government not shunning a film but not approving of it, but also, you know, the people of Japan. The people well, that'll Korea. often happen with a film that creates a stir. You see that a lot in Italy over the years with films that um, create a scandal and the church condemns, but everybody wants to go and see. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to get into maybe one, like, one of my far parts of the film. You know, you brought this up too, is the editing. Um the pace and I think the setting is really cool because we're talking about um, kind of searching for closeness and search, searching for, you know, being tight knit. And one of the things I really noticed about this film is, you know, the house they're living in is very, very small. And I think the edit and the, the camera work also too is very mellow. There's not a lot of camera movement. And that's one of the things I noticed too. Not a lot of camera movement, not a lot of pans, not a lot of, you know, fancy show work but it's it, there's kind a of, lot of tracking with characters i think they, very of, it opens with like a really long tracking shot but when they go outside as soon as the, yeah. also can i just say that as soon as like the film started that the long tracking shot of them in the grocery store was like best film ever yeah. made this <laughs> this is it this is what every other film has to live up to it was so good yeah but i don't think can anyone speak on that point is i think i thought that was one of the more the thoughts were the you know, one of the things mm-hmm. I really liked about the film was this very smooth editing and this not, you know, a, 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 a camera work and editing that matches the yeah. tone really well. You know, if this movie cut really fast, like, you know, something like what we'd see here in a, you know, something like Big Short or like Vice right. where it cuts really fast and it's a lot of no, jammed in there. with the moment. Yeah. Well, and I think he's a filmmaker who doesn't move his camera much, but he also doesn't allow it to stay still. Uh, when you compare him with someone like Ozu, which happens a lot, he doesn't lock the camera down and then have a scene play out. Mm-hmm. He's interested in cutting at certain points, and we certainly see a lot of that um, in this really well-created set uh, of the house that they live in, which is just so cluttered with environmental information. Mm-hmm. Um, he cuts more frequently than we might think, but he st- it still cuts slow, if that makes sense. The the camera cuts are motivated, but there's no there there were no points in the film where I thought like wow this shot's really going on a long time. No, I didn't think that either. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what he, makes he, a great editor. I think it just keeps it on that you know on that. I'm not sure. If I'm I'm thinking of the right the frame rate, not the frame rate, but the the average ASL. shot average shot for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he keeps it, I don't know, like maybe on like ten or eight seconds, where it just it's just looming on that brink of wow this is he has this natural rhythm that he intuitively understands in the edit that Mm -hmm. um is just perfect it just lies somewhere between a stylistic slowness and too brisk and it's perfect for what he's writing and what he's filming yeah so um i guess i wanted to talk about like the cinematography aspect yeah for sure you were bringing in like i think the set is extremely smart and innovative in the way that it causes all of these different frames all the time within the film and is used to either like bring like the people together or separate them. And one thing that really stuck out to me was um, his use of shallow depth of field. So there's several shots where like two people are interacting, but the person we're focused on is like the mother figure, Sakura, um, or I can't remember her name in the film, but 
and so we're focusing on the performance that she's giving rather than like the words that are spoken and I think this it's just very powerful in showing what's going on beyond like what we would normally focus on mm-hmm. um, yeah there's a scene in like father like son where um, the wealthy father has traded off his misbehaving son that he's raised because he's found out that it's not genetically his and he's traded it off he thinks for the better and he stumbles on a camera that's full of it's a digital camera that's full of photos that this child that he's ostensibly swapped for took of him while he was sleeping and the shallow depth of field in this moment it like it it really is he he just he constantly gets these amazing performances in close-up where it just feels like everything that matters in the world is contained within the frame Mm-hmm. And um, the emotional dynamism that he's able to extract from these very simple situations and these very simple shots that are not stylistic and yet are so perfected in their form, um, it, it, I just can't think of a filmmaker who does it for me the way that Corieta does yeah. it. I mean, I think he uses amazing close-ups and the lighting is so simple, but I don't know exactly what it is but yeah i loved the colors in this film they it goes from like these really rich dark colors yeah, I these didn't yellows think, and then it, like like thinking about the one of the last scenes of the film where they're making a snowman outside um after a lot of stuff has happened that was like one of the most like brilliant things like i've ever seen and on yeah. the the editing i thought that the only times when I noticed like the length of the shot being long is when it like is in moments like that where there mm-hmm. was something happening, but it was so tender and like sweet that you wanted to watch it for, you know, however long that it was going on. But like the colors in that, which are like dark, they're blue, black. It's like the middle of the night. They're yeah. making a snowman. And then contrasted with the beach scene where it's like very yellow. There's the yeah. shimmering quality of like light off yeah. of the ocean that is hazy. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And another, oh, sorry, just thought of another thing that has nothing to do with lighting or editing, but I thought the grandmother character was so great, like funny and so accurate to the way that like, I think grandmothers all over the place are, no matter if they're Japanese or not with like, oh, well, if you like have this issue, just put some sand on your <laughs> skin and it'll go away. Like dark spots. Oh, rub this was so great and so well integrated into the film mm-hmm. that it like actually came as a shock to me when you found out that she was not related to anyone there yeah um i think one thing going back to the, the setting and then the spacing is one of the things i really like about this too is the setting of the house and you know the the outside world settings when they go in the shops or you know when they're walking along the river is it's almost like this another form of the film breathing a little bit you know we i'd say the majority of the film is spent inside the house and when you when you when you go to the beach and when you when they're walking along the river or you know they're they're going from from uh shop to shop or when they're by the car it kind of gives this this i think this sigh of relief or this breath that comes in the film where you're like okay mm-hmm. you know it's so close-knit in that setting and then when you go outside it gives it that nice relief and i really enjoyed that yeah. that's just another point i had about going towards yeah. the setting there <laughs> One thing that, um, one shot that I did, like, I did notice is really long is this really wide shot of, um, Lily and Frankie and the sun, like, just playing in the snow. And that reminds, that's like the snowball or snowman scene kind of harkens back to that shot where we, we just sit and watch them for so long. But, like, you want to, you want to sit there and watch them. And I think one of the most beautiful, like, 
scenes well they're all they're all beautiful but one of them is the the bathroom scene oh. can we, can where we he's bathing where himself the, or where they're both they're like they're looking at the scars the daughter and the mother yeah oh yeah she's in her like bathing suit and i mean one thing that that scene does for me is like brings together how similar like all of the different um characters are like especially like the female characters they're kind of all like at a different point in the same person's life which is really that interesting is yeah me. i haven't thought about it that way but yeah you, there's the definite sense that they are like somehow there's like this like sad kind of like isolation to them or like but they all understand each other so so yeah. well all the relationships that are developed are amazing each two characters has their own relationship yeah for sure. We're going to take a quick break to do weather, and then we're going to be right back, and we're going to talk. We're going to give our final closing thoughts on shop. So we're going to finish up our conversation here about shoplifters. Uh, Jess, we'll start with you. Quick little closing thoughts Closing thoughts on shoplifters. Um, I feel like I've said so much, but I guess all I want to say is I think everyone should see this film. And the last time I watched it, I cried eight times. So that's all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Everyone should definitely see this film. Absolutely. I when, when I saw it, it was on opening night at film scene, and it was horribly snowing, like horrible, horrible, like blizzard. But this film like warmed my heart the whole walk home, <laughs> and it was. It's phenomenal. You should go see this. I don't care. Go see it. Eli thoughts. Yeah, I think I got just beat for crying because I had like a drink or two before I watched it. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, I was just like, oh my God, the whole way through. I was well, sitting behind Eli, I can confirm. When, when <laughs> Lily, after the film, when, after when, the credits, I cried again. When Lily Frankie says that uh, I, I taught them to steal because it's the only thing I know how to do. I just I just b- broke down and cried for basically so, the rest of the movie. Sakura uh, asked about like... Um, is that what makes like a mother? Yeah. yeah. No, that whole scene is just hit after hit, just a direct <laughs> punch to the tear glands. Um, this f- does not. F- I'm I'm very excited to see where Coriata goes from here. This does not feel like the culmination of his work. It feels like a wonderful entryway for people to hop on board because he's been doing this for a long time, and I think he's done it just as well, if not better, in the past. Even though I think this film is a masterpiece, and I think it's wonderful. Um, and to whatever extent I care about the Oscars, especially this year when they seem to be like a bunch of Looney Tune buffoonery, uh, if I care about anything, it's probably this. And I guess Black Panther, because Black Panther would be cool if it won. Because <laughs> who cares? I mean, it might yeah. as well be. Yeah, this year. I think this film got snubbed. For, for best what? Picture. Best picture? For, for acting. Yeah. Oh. And for best, and best picture. And for directing. And for, and for everything. everything. It should be nominated. And for ev- best animated short. Especially <laughs> for acting. Especially for acting. Yeah. In my opinion. like It should be nominated for every year from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to end our conversation on shoplifters.